speak to you about something this morning that you're probably not going to hear on uh, any news station that you might turn to. Probably not going to hear anything about it. You could probably scan the, uh, the Washington Post or the Baltimore Sun, and I doubt you'd find anything related to this. You could probably get on the internet and search and did diligently find some comments and references about it. But one place that you'll find it is in God's Word. And it's a topic that you and I should have a whole lot of interest in. Every one of us here. Because it's going to affect every single one of us. I want to speak to you a little bit this morning about heaven. About heaven. Everything about it is good news. It's encouraging news. A few weeks ago, Elder Bradley started his message. And by the way, if you get a chance to listen to it, it was really good. Elder Aquino called, texted me this morning and we talked about it. Spot on, I'll say. I hope you can listen to it. Great message. But he said, I'm going to bring you some good news. Well, in light of all the bad news that you hear, I kind of perked up when I heard that there was some good news. Well, everything that we know that's directed to us about heaven is good news. My mind was especially blessed to travel there when your cousin, Larry, and our good friend went home to be with the Lord yesterday. And I thought, what is it that he's experiencing right now? So let's go over to 2 Corinthians and we can get some insight as to what folks see when they get a view of heaven. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul tells his experience. I like to hear of others' experiences. I learn from them. I'm encouraged by them. And the Bible is full of other folks' experiences with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to describe his experience. Brother Larry told us about his experience of the Lord touching his life right here in Mount Carmel on the staircase going down to the dining room. I always enjoyed hearing him tell about his experience. And his experience was so profound that when he would tell it to you, you could see tears swell up in his eyes. Even 40, 50, 60 years later, it was such a sweet experience that it brought him to emotion every time he would tell it. Paul says, and no doubt this would be the case with Paul, he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it is not expediently 
expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul's beginning to tell us something right here. He says, I've had an experience. And he said, in fact, I I don't understand all that went on around it. I don't understand all the details about it. But it was an experience and it was an experience of the Lord. And he said, I knew a man. And Paul begins to describe it in such a way as if he's talking almost about somebody else. When he's actually referring to himself. And he said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Well, he begins and he describes this man as being in Christ. This man that's chosen in Christ. This man that is an elect child of God. This man that has the spirit of God dwelling within him. He says, I knew a man and he begins to describe his experience and he begins to hearken back to this experience and he begins to tell about it. And he says, he says, there's a lot of things I don't know about it. There's a lot of things I do know about it that I don't even have words to tell you about. He said, I knew a man about 14 years ago. And he said, first of all, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't really know. I don't know if my body was carried to heaven. I don't know if my soul was carried to heaven. I don't know the particulars about exactly how it happened. But he said, I know I had an experience and I know it was of the Lord. He comes down and here's what he tells. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He says, or whether out of the body, he says, I can't tell. He says, and and, and in fact, I'm not going to worry about that too much. He said, God knows. You know, there's a whole lot of things that we don't know that God knows. And I'm just real happy to leave it there. Some folks get worked up and very concerned about who is and who is not a child of God. And to the point that they would like to uh, almost put you in a box and in, in, in a corner if you didn't take the position that they did about who is and who is not a child of God. I'm real happy to put that in the same case that Paul did right here. He said, I don't know, but God knows. I'm real happy to do that. God knows a whole lot of things. In fact, at at this point in my life, there's a whole lot of things that I don't know, but God knows. I'm happy to leave it there. But here he says, he says, I don't know if I was in the body, out of the body. He says, I don't know, but God knows. But he says, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. The third heaven being the the highest heaven, the place where God dwells, the place where Jesus is, the place that's referred to as paradise. In fact, if you remember the experience of the the man that was upon the, the thief upon the cross, As the Lord had touched his heart and he had a conviction of his sin right there on the cross, he turned to Christ and he said, Lord, would you remember me? You know, that's our greatest desire. Our greatest plea is that the Lord would remember us. 
And he said, Lord, would you remember me? And Luke gives the account and he turns to him and he says, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. So that gives us a whole lot of answers to a whole lot of questions about what happens to the soul of an individual when they die that day. Their soul doesn't go into a holding arena that, will, that it will graduate from at some point based on a whole lot of folks praying for it or a whole lot of folks sending money in to a certain organization. But if the account and the example of the thief on the cross is correct, that when Jesus Christ turned to the thief on the cross who was going to die that day, and he said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's what Paul was referring to right here when he was caught up. So let's look at what he says. He says it again. He says, and I knew such a man, referring to himself. He says again, whether in the body or out of the body, he says, I cannot tell. He mentions it again. He says, that's not the point. The point is not whether I was in the body, whether I was out of the body. He said, God knows that. But he said, I'm about to tell you what the point was as best I can. He says, I know a man how that he was caught up. And here he refers to it, the same wording that Christ referred to in Luke chapter 23, verse 42, when he says, thou shalt be with me in paradise here in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse four. Here, Paul is referring to it as paradise. He referred to it as the third heaven and he referred to it as paradise. And he says how that this man, myself, was caught up into paradise and he said, and I heard some things. He said, I heard some things that are unspeakable words which are not lawful for man to utter. He said, I was caught up into heaven whether it was a vision, whether it was my soul going to be with the Lord. He said, that's, that's irrelevant. He says, I, I can't even tell you myself. But he said, I was somehow given a vision or an experience of what it's like in heaven, in paradise. And he says, it's not even lawful for me to try to explain it to you. Now that's what Brother Larry is experiencing right now. We don't have the words to describe what it's like in heaven. We can refer to it. We can imagine it. We can look at the experience of others and we can get encouragement as to what it's like. But as far as if we were actually there and tried to share it with other folks, we don't even have the words to describe what heaven's like. I'm not sure who called out the song 428, how beautiful, or uh, when we all get to heaven, great song, and it was just spot on with, with the, the thoughts this morning. Wonderful song describing how beautiful heaven must be when we all get to heaven. He said, I heard unspeakable words, which is not 
lawful for a man to utter. And then Paul goes down and he relates his experience. He says, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but I'll glory in my infirmities. He says, for though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool, for I, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that which he heareth of me. And he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given unto me a, a messenger in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, it, there's a whole nother lesson right there, and, and you would do well to go and, and read it. But he says that the, the, the point that I wanted to get out of this is that he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me. Paul said, here's how I would describe what I experienced right here. The abundance of the revelation that was given unto me. Now, I, I expect right here. That even though the Apostle Paul did not have the words to express to others of what he experienced right here. This experience that the Apostle Paul was so profound in his life that no doubt it made an impact upon him through the rest of his life. That when he was experiencing being shipwrecked, when he was experiencing being beaten, when he was experiencing being forsaken, he could let his mind travel back to this experience that he had with the Lord. And that experience that he had with the Lord, no doubt, encouraged him and sustained him along the way. You may be able to think about back in your life about some experiences that you've had with the Lord. And you may face some difficult days ahead. You may face some trying days ahead. But if you can let your mind hearken back to a man or a woman above 14 years ago that had an experience with the Lord, it'll help you get through your trials and your difficulties. And no doubt this helped the Apostle Paul that he could look back on his life. He said, I've had an experience with the Lord. It's unique. It was, it was tailored for me. And he says, it's so wonderful that I can't even tell others. And he said, I expect that the reason that I've had these trials and these thorns and these difficulties in my life is so that I will not get exalted in myself and go around and thumb my lapel to say, I've had a great experience from the Lord. I'm better than everybody else. He said, no, there's no room for that. And he said, the Lord allowed me to have these trials and these difficulties and these hardships in my life to realize that I don't have any strength in myself and I don't have any place to glory in myself. And I have to be reminded that my strength is in the Lord and that his grace is sufficient for me in every trial and experience in my life. Amen. Well, now, I wonder... What Paul saw. In 1 Corinthians. And this is referring to. Uh, a reference in Isaiah chapter 64. But here it's described again in uh, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 1, maybe it's 2 Corinthians, I can't find the... I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered in the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. There's not any way that we can describe what God has prepared for those that love him. Paul referred to it as those that are in Christ. And... It's referred to as those that are in Him and those that love Him. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what He hath prepared for him that waiteth for Him. He just basically says that where you're going is far better than anything that you can imagine. That where you're going is far better than anything you've ever heard. And where you're going is far better than anything you've ever seen. He says, for I, he says, uh, he says, from the beginning, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath seen by the eye, Hath seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. I would say that right now, that describes all of us. We're waiting for him. I mean, what are you waiting for? Aren't you ultimately waiting for the Lord to come back and take us all home? I mean, you may be waiting for a raise, you may be waiting for a new house, you may be waiting for a grandchild, you may be waiting for some things like that. But really and truly, what the Christian is truly, ultimately waiting for, you can, you can look forward to those other things that happen along the way. That can be a great blessing along the way. But the thing that the Christian is truly waiting for is deliverance from this earth. All of the confusion, all of the sin, all of the the wrath, all of the uh, uh, destruction that's going on in the lives of people today. And the Christian realizes that they're pilgrims and strangers here on this earth and their eternal home is in heaven. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're looking for. Well... What is it that he might have seen? Let's go look at what Stephen saw in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7. Stephen was preaching the gospel. And the message he brought did not receive a handshake afterward or a hug in the neck. This was the response that as Stephen was proclaiming. Jesus Christ to some folks that abhorred the message in Acts chapter 7. So here we can begin to here we can begin to get a glimpse through what Stephen saw into heaven. Get a little glimpse. And he says, and when they heard these things. That was the message that Stephen was preaching. 
It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. So Stephen was proclaiming the gospel. And it says that the, those that were hearing it, they came and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But it says Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, that he looked up into heaven. And here's what he saw. He looked up into heaven and he saw the glory of God. So that's the first thing that Stephen tells us right here. As he, as he was being uh, uh, beaten, as it says that they gnashed upon him with their teeth, it says, as he, being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven, and the first thing that he saw was the glory of God. He didn't see the glory of man. He saw the glory of God. I would imagine that it was so bright that he probably couldn't hardly contain it, and he couldn't have unless he had the experience of the Holy Ghost to fill him. Understand how he saw it, but in his mind, he was convinced that he did. I believe he did. It says that he said, I saw the glory of God. Now, I just want you to, if you can, imagine this for a little while. Stephen, as, 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 as he was suffering, that, and, 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 I want you to hold this thought right here that God loves His children so much that He gives them some little gold nuggets to encourage them along the way. And here's a great big gold nugget for Stephen. Number one, he saw the glory of God. Number two, Stephen said, he said, uh, he said, I saw the glory of God. And he said, then I saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. So as Stephen was having a view into heaven, he first of all saw the glory of God. And then he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. I believe that in my mind's eye what however you would describe that that shows that there's a caring loving savior that was was concerned and moved and caring about the situation that Stephen was experiencing right there and he said, I saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And then he said, and, and he said, and then he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. He mentions it uh, two times right there. Now we have referenced that Jesus Christ is seated on the right hand of the father. But as Stephen was about to give his life and he was going through the trial of his life. 
that God opened up the windows of heaven and he showed him a portion of his glory. You remember Moses saw a little bit of the glory of the hinder parts of God, but he couldn't see all of the glory of God and live. And Stephen, as he's going through the greatest trial, no, no doubt the greatest trial of his life, he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of the Father. And he says, and then I saw the heavens opened. All that was for Stephen. It was. It says, and they cried, and he says, I saw them. He, he mentions it twice. I saw the heavens opened, and I saw the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And he says, then they cried out with a loud voice and, 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 and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. As he was going through the trial of his life, verse 59 says, and they stoned Stephen calling upon the name of God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen had witnessed, he mentions twice, Christ standing on the right hand of the Father. He saw the glory of God and he saw the heavens open as he was experiencing the greatest trial of his life. And then Stephen cries and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he says that he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So we see that Stephen had a vision of heaven and of Christ. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, there's a reference that Jesus Christ makes right here. And he says in Matthew chapter 24, uh, start with... Verse 30, he says, And then shall, the, then shall appear the, son, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And verse 31, this is the one we want to hold on to. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us that the Lord himself will come back. Here he says there's angels. Certainly angels accompany the Lord. And he says, they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That he is going to come back and he's going to gather his Elect. In um, Revelation, it's mentioned a couple of different places that there's something in heaven that that um, there's an object there in heaven that we would have a, a great deal of interest in. In Revelation chapter five, and again in chapter thirteen. It talks about that in heaven, there's um, the Lamb's book of life. The, uh, the most valuable book that I have in my possession 
is a Bible that was given to me by an aunt that lived to be a hundred years old, and it was her great grand I believe it's her grandfather or great grandfather's Bible. It was my great great grandfather's Bible. And as a side note, his name was Stephen. And I have his Bible, and it has written down. Back then they had uh, uh, eight, nine, ten, twelve children, and it has the names of his children and his grandchildren written in this Bible. And when I read down far enough, I see my grandfather's name, who was his grandchild. So it's pretty neat. I wouldn't, wouldn't take for that special treasure that I have. But in heaven... There's a book, and it's referred to as the Lamb's Book of Life. And we ought to be very interested in that book. Now, I heard a preacher on the radio that, that seemed to indicate that to the folks that uh, he was preaching to that if their name wasn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that they could get it in there, and they better get it in there. And... That was just today. And I thought, you know, from what I read about this book, the copyright on this book that was written was before the foundation of the world. And David said when he looked that he couldn't find anybody that was worthy to open the seals and to loose the, the seals thereof. And that nobody has the power to take any names out of this book. Or add any names to this book that it's secured by the Lord. It has the names of all the elect family of God. Now, I don't know how my name is. I'm not sure what name I have in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I sure have a degree of confidence that my name is there. And I expect that if, if I had a view of heaven and I had a view of that book... First thing I'd do is I'd run over to the beast. I, 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 I mean, I'm hopeful your name's in there, but I'm really hopeful mine is. And I'd go over there and I'd look and, and, and just make sure, because I know if my name's written in there, wasn't written in there by me, but it was written in there by the Lord from before the foundation of the world. And so in heaven, there's the Lamb's Book of Life. Also... In heaven, now I thought our singing was a blessing this morning. I, I enjoy our hymn singing a lot. But I tell you what, I seriously doubt that it even compares to the singing that's going on in heaven. So when Paul was caught up to paradise. He may, like Stephen, have seen the heavens open. He may, like Stephen, have seen the glory of God. Or he may, like Stephen, have seen Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of the Father. When Paul looked up and he had that experience, Paul might have had an experience 
of somehow seeing all the elect family of God that Jesus Christ redeemed from before the foundation of the world. When Paul had the vision of heaven, it's very possible that Paul could have actually witnessed the Lamb's book of life. It had the names of God's elect in it. Says he heard something. He could have heard Christ. But no doubt when he was caught up into heaven, he heard something that's really special to us. He heard some singing that was going on. Heard folks saying, Thou art worthy, thou art the Lamb. Thou was slain from before the foundation of the world. All glory and honor and power unto the Lamb goes to the Lord. No doubt he heard singing like he'd never heard before. It's possible when Paul had his experience that he got a glimpse of what heaven is like itself. Not just the events that we've mentioned and not only Christ. I mean, if that's all you saw, then that's beyond anything we could ever anticipate. But even heaven itself. And here's how it's described. He says, God will wipe away all their tears. There'll be no more death. There'll not be any sorrow. There will not be any crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for all former things are passed away. He goes down and he describes in Revelation 21 and 22 a little bit about the beauty of heaven, the glory of heaven. The building, the wall of Jasper, the city of pure gold. talks about that the Lord is the light thereof. You don't need the sun, you don't need the moon, because God... Lights it, the Lamb is the light thereof. And maybe he saw something like that. In Revelation 22, the last few verses, as John is giving us this view of, of heaven as best he can through the inspiration of the Spirit, he, he just ends up and he says, he, he, he says in verse 17 of, of chapter 22, he says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And then Jesus Christ says, and it's, it's, it's so good in the latter part, he, he testifies these things and says, Surely I come quickly. Maybe it was that that Paul had a glimpse of heaven itself, of what heaven is made like. Any of those things that others have seen would have been a blessing to Paul. 
one of the precious experiences that that I was blessed to witness. Brother Mark and Sister Chrissy and Sister Laura and Sister Jerry, Brother Mark's family, helped in the last helped in the last couple of years of Elder Compton's life, but especially the last few weeks. And after he had had a stroke that there was not hardly any response whatsoever. Couldn't eat, couldn't drink. The only response that he could make was when you would sing hymns, and Brother Mark can correct me on this if I'm missing something, but when you're singing hymns, we'd set him in a recliner, and as we were singing hymns, you'd see the, the blanket move with the pad of his foot to the tune that was being sung. The day before he passed away, several were taking turns, uh, setting up with him through the day and through the night. That next morning, we'd all just been going on a little bit of sleep. That next morning, about 6 o'clock, 5.30, I remember waking up just as I was as awake as if it was broad daylight. And I went in, and Elder Compton, you could just tell that he was nearing the end of his journey. And then all of a sudden, he hadn't been able to see before. I remember he opened his eyes just as wide, and the biggest smile came across his face. And at first I thought, and this is my vain imagination, I thought he's seeing me. And then very quickly, I didn't need any help figuring this out. He was seeing something far better than me. The Lord was giving him a glimpse of something that's described by the Apostle Paul that says it's far better. And then just a few minutes later, he went home to be with the Lord. Sister Anna had a lot of great experiences with Elder Compton before he got to that point, and she, her life has been enriched in Brother Andy's. She and Brother Andy were able to help him stay at home and enjoy, and Brother Steve has had so many wonderful experiences of Elder Compton. He's touched so many lives of the folks that are here. I thought it was precious that he did Asa and Carla's wedding a month before he died at 102 years of age, and who better to do your wedding than somebody that had 76 successful years of marriage? I mean, it was a sweet, sweet testimony. But I share this with you. That just a short time before Brother Larry went home to be with the Lord, Sister Margaret said he had had lots of challenging times But she said, all of a sudden, he opened his eyes and she said the biggest smile came across his face. And she said, I think he had a glimpse of heaven. The Lord loves us so much that during the greatest trial of our life, he's promised not to forsake us. And he even gives us 
an extra measure of grace. And what better way to give it to us than give us a glimpse of heaven. I said, Sister Margaret, not only did the Lord give him that wonderful experience of grace, but I said he timed it in such a way that you got to experience it as well. That you were right there with him. Lord could have given it to him in the middle of the night or, or whenever. Or when she turned away, but she was looking right at him when the Lord gave him that experience of grace. The Lord's promise that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he gives us these little gold nuggets along the way to sustain us and to help us. And then he takes us on home to glory. Lord bless you.